Welcome to Beautifully Broken. I am Kia and I am so excited to share my new partner for this podcast, Brianna. Alrighty, so yes, I am Brianna. I have a very difficult last name. Um, so <laughs> we just we just don't make people try and say it. Um, so I am um above all a follower of Jesus. Um, but some other things that usually end up in my bios most of the time is that I'm a pastor's wife. Um, I am a mom and I worked in the mental health field for four years. Um, and I currently am a teacher for social emotional learning, um, which is a lot of fun for me. Um, sometimes my kids don't enjoy doing deep breathing, but I'm like, no children, (laughs) this is what we're going to do today because Miss F is going to lose her mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, um, I was back, a little background about me. I was raised in church. I, um, grew up Southern Baptist, you know, doing the thing every Sunday, every Wednesday I was at church. I was there. I, my parents reinforced that belief in me. I obviously had to take ownership of that. Uh, and that was, uh, eventually happened. That faith took place, but, um, I struggled with anxiety from about the age of six. I used to be terrified of everything, uh, an irrational fear, very much so an irrational fear. I remember, Um, when I think back to when I was younger, I would talk to my dad if I ever got like a stomach virus or a cold or something. And I would say, dad, am I going to die? And he he would say to me one day, but this is not what's going to take you out. Like he he tried to reinforce like one day you're going to die, but it's not going to be this common cold that you have. That's going to be the reason. And so there was just constantly not a fear of what happened after death because still to this day, like I'm not afraid of what happens after death because I know once I, once I die, I'm meeting Jesus. And um, so I'm not afraid of what happens after death, but it's always been like, there's been this anxiety that at six years old would cripple me and make me like physically ill. It was like, and they, the doctors told me we, you just have a nervous stomach is what they called it. Um, being in the church at that age or during that time, anxiety was not something that you talked about it up until really, I want to say the past, maybe four or five years, anxiety, depression, mental health has not been something that's been addressed appropriately. And, um, I can agree. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it made it rough, especially in high school, to be struggling with this anxiety. And then middle school started depression. I was going through a lot of stuff with my family, just a lot of really rough things. And the depression set in at uh, probably seventh grade. It was, and it was just rough. And I, I knew I felt sad all the time, but it was deeper than just being sad. It was deeper than just, oh, I, I, I didn't feel is almost what it was. It was almost a numb feeling. So in, yeah, um, (laughs) in 2010, I gave my life to Jesus. I was actually had made a deal with him. Don't make deals with Jesus. 
Uh, he always <laughs> like it makes no sense in my seventeen-year-old mind. It made sense, but um, I had gone for a run, and I was in a season of really deep depression, really deep depression, and it was November twenty-ninth, and I had gone for a run, and I told Jesus, I said, when I get back to my car from my run. Like, I want to feel better. I want to be okay. Uh, and if I'm not, then this is my last run. Like, this is this is it for me. And when I got back to my car, obviously, I couldn't outrun all of the – all I couldn't outrun depression. Like, that's not how it works. And so I was on my way home and decided I was going to take my life. And I was literally about to just – like in my teenage mind, I was just going to wreck my car really badly into this really dangerous curve. And that's how it was going to go. And that way nobody would feel sad about it because I just think that like I wrecked my car. It wouldn't be a big deal. Um, and so I'm driving my car and audibly as I'm about to yank the wheel, this voice says no. And you got, I'm not that person who's like, everybody hears Jesus audibly. Like that's, this is, this is the only time in my entire life that I've heard an audible voice say no or talk to me like that when there was no one else in my vehicle. Um, I pulled my car over, gave my life to Jesus uh, in that moment. I came home, I opened my Bible. It fell open to John, um, John 16. And I'm, that person like if my bible falls open I have to read wherever it's fallen open to and so I'm reading and I get I'm going through John 16 and I'm like this makes no how is this applicable to me like I just tried to take my life I don't understand why under this is when Jesus is talking to the disciples about what's going to happen after he dies and what's going to happen to them and how people are going to treat him but the (laughs) But you get to the bottom and John 16, 33 says, these things I've spoken unto you that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And when I say that this peace that transcends all understanding, just like washed over me in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness. Like what has happened? Like I, I literally, I cannot explain it. Kind of like, you were saying like it's just this thing where you can't explain that feeling nothing scientific explains it properly at all um it's crazy it's it's insane and so I still struggled with anxiety and depression I was a believer a follower of Jesus but I still struggled with anxiety and depression and um when I was going through college it wasn't as bad because I stayed distracted a lot college distracted me in so many ways just trying to graduate from college distracted (laughs) me in so many ways Um, but that was the main reason that I decided to get my degree in a mental health field because I wanted to be able to help people who were in that low valley who were feeling the weight of everything and they just were like what is happening and um so that's why I originally had pursued that in college um Christian counseling degree. I was like, I'm going to do, it's going to be great. Um, but I still struggled with it. Like I was a Christian. I was loving Jesus. I was called to ministry. I was living out my ministry, my life. And, and that was still anxiety and depression just kind of following me around. 
Um, so in 2017, my dad died and, uh, that was rough. It was very sudden. Nobody knew like very sudden, massive heart attack after he ran a six minute mile, very sudden. And this, that fear of death that I'd had my entire life just kind of crept back in. And, and about two months later, two or three months later, I got pregnant with my daughter and much like you were saying, like, I, with Braylee, I did not emotionally attach to her while I was pregnant. Because in my mind, the entire time, I was waiting for that other shoe to drop. I was waiting for that bad thing to happen. I was waiting to go to the doctor and get that bad report. Um, thankfully, I have a beautiful, almost three-year-old daughter. And uh, she is a mess. And so, God, she's crazy. She called me a loser the other day. That was, she said to me, hey, loser, let's read this book. I said, what? Like, I gave birth to you. You don't get to call me a loser. Uh, you're you're only two. What in the world? Um, crazy. But, but, uh, so it just, but after having her, I, I felt that that joy again, like I was able to breathe and felt joy. And, and still though, being a pastor's wife, I didn't really talk much about anxiety and depression because there's, there was still that stigma around it. And, um, I think as a pastor's wife, sometimes it feels like whether it's reality or not, it feels like there's a level of put togetherness that you have to have. And, I, I fail at that put togetherness so often. Um, and so I was very, I'm not anti-medication. I am like, hey, if you need medication for your anxiety and depression, do it. But when it came to saying those words to myself, all I could hear was like, no, you can't do this. Like you're a pastor's wife. People were telling me, um, you, you just need to pray a little bit harder. You just need to trust a little bit more and that drove me up the wall even worse because then I'm starting to question whether I actually have this strong faith in Jesus because I feel depressed and then I started thinking like well my life over the past few years has been a little rough I mean the beginning of 2017 we lost my nephew Elias then in August of 2017 there was my dad and then my sister my sister and I both got pregnant around the same time and had these beautiful babies, but then my niece ended up in the NICU almost dead um, because of her lungs. And so it was just, it was a rough time, but God was leading me into a season of being okay. But he was also leading me to like, talk to your doctor about this medicine. Um, and so my doctor put me on some medicine for my anxiety and depression. And you guys, it's great. Like <laughs> it's been, it's been great. Like I was like, I wasn't, I still had seasons where I would struggle, but I was okay because medicine's okay because it wasn't a lack of faith. It was a hormonal imbalance in my brain and that's okay too. Like that's okay. The Lord made me and all my hormones to be crazy. Um, (laughs) but, um, this past December on December 31st, um, at 20 weeks, I delivered my sweet baby Annalise and, um, unfortunately did not get to meet her. Uh, I mean, I got to hold her in my arms, but didn't get to meet her in the same way that we met Braylee when she was born. Um, 
I will see her in heaven and it'll be wonderful. Um, but to be 100% honest, vulnerable, that, that was a tipping point for me because I had, I was feeling that joy and getting connected with her while I was pregnant with her. And, you know, there wasn't that waiting for the shoe to drop kind of feeling. And then all of a sudden it dropped. And, um, this was, I, I went to the doctor and they couldn't find the heartbeat on December 28th. I delivered her on December 31st. And since December 31st, I have struggled and I hear people tell me all the time, oh, you're so strong. Let me tell you guys, no, I'm not. That's Jesus. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything that you see about me, all the strength that is perceived, that's Jesus. Because there have been so many days that I was not going to get out of bed because my baby wasn't with me. And um, actually, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 25th, would have been my due date with her. So um, I've actually taken like a break from most social medias for the month of May because I would love to celebrate all my friends that are posting their pregnancy announcements uh, but it's a little difficult this month so we'll try again in June Um, and so uh, it was the craziest thing though because I felt this weight this anger with God like why like haven't I been through enough Like, why are you doing this? And like all these questions, all these things that in my heart, I knew the answers to. I knew that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his will. And he works all things for my good. But it doesn't look the same way that I think it should look because his ways are higher than my ways. His ways are, I can't even comprehend his ways. If I knew what his plan was, I still would be like, oh my goodness, like, why, why do I have to go through that? And so, um, so since December, it's been, it's been rough, but last Sunday, and this is like, I can't, I don't even know how to explain what I'm about to say. I've tried all week to explain it to my husband. Um, but I, we were sitting in church and we were sitting in worship and, and, uh, I, Thankfully, I wasn't scheduled to sing last week because had I been, I probably would have been an emotional mess. Um, but we uh, were singing Graves into Gardens and it gets to the part where um, it says, um, nothing is better than you. And when I and I was just like in my head, I said, you know, Jesus, I, I believe this like help my unbelief kind of like the dad who was like Jesus heals his son and he's like I believe Jesus helped my unbelief so I'm like Jesus I believe that you are better than anything there's nothing better than you help my unbelief and when I tell you it was like a switch that just kind of flipped there was like it's like it started in my chest and just kind of worked its way up but this lightness this ability to think about the goodness of God and not feel like he hasn't been good to me. Um, this, I, I like, I, that sounds crazy. Like I sound crazy saying that. I uh, understand completely. I really do. Cause I, I had, I had one of those moments and I was like, 
I don't even know what just happened to me. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And so I think that, um, well, in that moment, God just kind of like hit me and he was like, Here, like, I'm good. I, I am good. You are good because I am good. Like you are going to be okay because I have made you okay. Like I've overcome the world and it's okay to grieve and it's okay to hurt and it's okay to be sad about the things that you aren't going to get to experience with your daughter, but I'm still good. And then, you know, the next, the very next song we sing, goodness of God. I said, <laughs> I said, and that's the song that repeated in my head the entire time I was in the hospital delivering her because oh, wow. I said, all my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. And for all my life, I'm going to sing of your goodness. And you know, that's the very next song I sang. And I I, I did start crying then because it was like the Lord, like there was peace. And I hadn't felt peace since December. And it was amazing. And it was beautiful. And I think this is the most vulnerable I've been about this entire situation since December in this moment. Um. Uh-huh. Because I think there are so many in the church, oftentimes, there are so many ideas of what being a Christian is supposed to look like. Um, but, but they're not, they don't exclude grief or anxiety or yeah. depression. The thing is, is that I'm a Christian and I am a real Christian. I make mistakes. I have lived a life of sin. I've also found the love of Jesus Christ and I am a firm believer in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because I would not be here today if it was not for God. And that Yes. Yes, yes. And that and, I love that. I I love that so much. But you come in with these eyes that are like, no. Like, yes, we're not exactly. perfect. Like, let's stop putting on the show because the Pharisees like to put on shows. Like, let's not put on a show and pretend like, oh, I am so perfect. My life is completely together. No, like, my life is utter chaos. Right? I'm a, I'm a mom. I don't know that my life will ever not be chaotic, but like, it's, it's, it's spring though. To walk it in is. that goodness and to walk in that that knowledge that he is faithful and that he is good. And um, one of the verses that I've come back to over and over and over again uh, when talking or thinking about my anxiety and depression is 2 Corinthians, it's 12, 8 through 10. And if it's okay, can I read that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So it, it's Paul. He's talking to the church of Corinth and he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I said, if Paul... The persecutor of Christians turned full-on missionary can say, I struggled with something. I've asked the Lord to take it from me, and he's not taking it from me. So we're going to boast about his goodness while we walk through this fire. That's what we're going to do. And if Paul can do that, if it worked for Paul, then it should work for the rest of the church. It should. 
and it's considering just, and, that Paul was sent to Macedonia and then got put into prison, and he spent rest my, most of his life, wasn't it? Wasn't the yeah. rest of his life, <laughs> but it was most of his life in a prison cell after God told him to go to Macedonia, <laughs> and then he wrote these letters, yeah. and these letters are are just so full of God's goodness, and it's just like mm-hmm. he he stayed in his faith that entire time. Yes, yes. He And he led people to Christ and it was just from prison. the most powerful thing. Yes, from prison. Yes, yes. And it's, it's amazing. That completely blew my mind. It's like, God, if you send me somewhere to put me in a jail cell, I am not gonna react that way. <laughs> right. And you know I'm we, not gonna be that person. <laughs> we did um a couple years back, we did a study through one of um, the letters, and we we're talking about the jail cells and how they're like nothing like our jail cells are today. Like now, Paul would have been like, "Oh, this is like luxury life, um, living in our jails." And so, um, but to have that peace and to say, you know what, like I struggled with this, and I still struggle with this, and I've asked for it to be taken away. But my grace is sufficient for you, he says to me. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And so, and I I love that verse, like when you and I first, um, like when I saw you in Walmart, and I was so excited. Uh, I was too. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's my favorite person ever. <laughs> and listen, I was so excited. I was like, like, I'm so glad you like stopped to say hi. And that me staring down at the ground did not deter you from doing that. Um but uh, when we st- when you started throwing around the idea of doing a podcast and wanted to do it, my my thoughts went to this verse because I think through you and through your podcast, through your platform, whatever your platform may be, whether it's a podcast or it's leading worship, I think that God is going to use you as you boast in Him through any weakness that you have. Because let's be honest, we all have weaknesses. Um, but <laughs> in such amazing ways and it just it made my heart so happy like it just I was so giddy I was like look at her I have been giddy this whole time you know like when you get set on specific songs and then like you have the entire album but you literally listen to like three songs on the album because you're like these are my songs so with Hillsong, I have those songs, and so I'll have to venture down into further into their album because I'm sure if the songs I love are so great, then they probably made more. Which ones are yours that you like so much? Um, so I am a massive fan of. Um, well, I I go back and forth between um, Hillsong and Bethel. Like sometimes Bethel's like on top of it. Um, but King <laughs> recently, my song from Hillsong has been King of Kings. That's been my song. I haven't heard that one. Okay, that's so good. That's a that's a good one. Um, and it's like a it's an older one. I mean, it's from like 2019. So that one, and then one that's like even older though is So Will I because. Oh, um, yeah. Because I feel like it reminds me, like, hey, listen, if all of these, if I were to stop, pray, like, worshiping, like, the grass would literally cry out to you. So, who am I to say I'm not going to, like, even through the bad times, I'm not going to worship because, like, the grass will cry out. So, it doesn't, like, what I'm doing is not, um, let's see here. And then another in the fire. 
that's the third one I was about to say. I know oh. there's I know there's another one. Another in the fire. And that's been kind of my anthem over the past couple of months. Like it's been my anthem. There's another one in the fire standing right next to me. Peace be still has been my oh, yes. <clears throat> anthem. Yes. And I can listen to that. Like whenever I first realized that um or I first dedicated my life to God and just was saved and before I was baptized like in that whole two month period before I ever had my baptism mm-hmm. um it was so rough like I felt like I was struggling so much spiritually mm-hmm. and in this month or two months, it was actually like a month and a half, but in this month and a half, I decided to go to a haunted hotel, <laughs> the Stanley, during a spiritual, like, <laughs> I don't even know what you would call that, but it was just like this. Warfare. Yes, spiritual yeah. warfare, thank you, I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> yeah, girl, I got you. I went to this hotel, and I felt like I had a target on my back the whole time. You did. Yeah. <laughs> People may not believe in ghosts, but I'm telling you they're real because one grabbed my hand and sent electricity all the way through it. I said, I am not doing this voodoo no more. <laughs> I walked out. <laughs> I was like, no. I was pretty sure that I brought a demon back home with me because then the dream started. And gotcha. uh, it was like these horrible dreams where demons were throwing knives at me. They were attacking oh my-, my kids and drowning me. And it was like... This was every night, and I was so exhausted for, like, a week and a half. Yeah. And it was awful. And this was um, right before my baptism. I went and got baptized, and the dream still continued. And I was like, okay, God, I need I need something <laughs> to help me through this because mm-hmm. right now I'm struggling. I need to sleep. And yeah. not have these dreams, not these crazy dreams. And I still have these crazy dreams. I sleep with a Bible under my pillow. I'm about to go get some sage and sage my room. We're about to cleanse this house. Because <laughs> I can't deal with this spiritual warfare that I have going on in my mind. And I've learned that the more that you you go after, um, you lean more into your faith, the more that the devil's trying to pull you back. And it's like, enemy, get off my back. Cause right now I can't deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> right now. And that's 100% how it goes because, you know, as, as we grow in our faith and as we lean into that faith, we are, there's the chance that other people will follow, not follow us. And I don't mean like follow us like we are Jesus but I mean like there's chances that people will hear what we have to say and decide to follow Jesus and and Satan's like not today like no 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 we can't have that going on and so when when you are leaning into that faith and when you are relying on Christ for things that's when you do see the most the most warfare because you're like you know you're out there on the front lines fighting and Satan's like, nope, we're going to send all we can at this person because she has a plan and she has Jesus on her side. So we got to stop her at any cost. And, you know, I think that's what, um, I think that's what, when I think of the hills and valleys, like we talk about, like we prepare on the mountaintops for the valleys of the lows of our faith and our life. 
I like yeah. that I think of like because in that valley, in that valley is where war happens. Most people don't choose war on a mountain. I mean, unless you're in Mulan and you're <laughs> deciding to do that. But like most people aren't gonna try and come fight you on the mountain. They're gonna wait until you get on level playing field. And when they think it's level, when they think they've broken you down enough. And so I think that's what Satan does is he, we prepare on the mountaintops. We prepare our faith. We build our faith by leaning into that. And then when we go through those valleys, that faith sustains us, but it doesn't mean that it's easy because we're fighting a battle, like not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and all kinds of spiritual things. And so it's, it's crazy, but yes. That's exactly. Yes, it is. It is the hardest thing because it's like nobody else around me can see this going on. Nobody else around me knows what's happening in me. Like, it's just me, my heart and my brain. It's like, well, they're all leaning into this faith. They're all trying to walk this walk and actually live this walk and not just be halfway in and halfway out. You have to have both feet in because Mm -hmm you have yourself straddling that fence it's so much easier for the enemy to just come in and pull you off like oh, i had yeah. to walk away from quite a few people because i felt like i was halfway in and halfway out and i was like i don't want to be this i have to be fully in you can either come with me or i'm leaving you behind because you can't go yeah. as high as you're gonna go but i'm gonna keep climbing <laughs> and it's like yeah. well and that- in- when they talk to the church of Laodicea, he's like, Hey, you can't be lukewarm. You're either hot or you're cold. And I actually got some cool context on that because the Laodicea was in a place where they had hot springs, I believe it was, but the town over had cold water. And so what would happen is when they were taking it back and forth, uh, it would, it would be lukewarm by the time they got there either way. And so Paul, or not Paul, Paul didn't do that. John, (laughs) John, my heart is so happy for you. My heart is so overjoyed that you are not only like not only walking in that light, but you are sharing your story and your story is so powerful. Your story is so, there's so many aspects to your story that so many people can relate to. And even if they've not been through the exact same things that you've been through, trauma is like, trauma is trauma. And trauma is hard and grief is hard and, you know, being able to experience that and walk through it and say, Hey, look at where I am on the outside of that. Like I'm on the other side of that now. And I'm just like, I just, I just, my heart is so happy. Oh man. Well, you're (laughs) one of my favorite people on the entire planet. So fun too. Thank you so much. (laughs) doing a podcast with me today no I'm so excited to thank any... you for your story yeah thanks for giving me a place to do that I, I appreciate anytime. it I hope anytime. that somebody somebody yeah. uh, hears it and it helps them as well as your story has helped even encourage me so I appreciate your you letting me have this opportunity anytime absolutely and if you ever want to do one together, let's do it. <laughs> but, okay, listen, I'm a, I'm all about it. Like I'm all about it. Let's do it. <laughs> the great thing is, is I can edit my name off of it, and it can just be beautifully broken because we're both beautifully broken. But you know, well, you do. The, I want you to flourish and do your thing. But you just let I, I can. 
that too outside of this this is like this is start there you go there you go well I'm good with whatever you want to do I'm good taking it whichever direction because I love this has been so much fun for me (laughs) we're so doing it together I'm taking my name off and you're joining me (laughs) because it's so much fun I might be doing a happy dance right now but you can't see it so (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay Okay. now I've got to figure out how to edit this (laughs) okay not Larry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man, well, have fun with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> girl, listen, it's okay. You just do what you can. <laughs> if I can't edit it out, he's getting blasted. Sucks <laughs> <laughs> to suck. Right. <laughs> oh but, man. Well, it wasn't my fault. It was him that kept on, and I was, I didn't cave though. And he tried for like four weeks. Right I after love it. Stage, and it was like really man. <laughs> oh, I love it. <sighs> but I didn't cave. I was so Did proud you? of myself. I'm so proud of you. I put it down and I was like, no, no, bro, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. So proud. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, you have a fabulous rest of your day. I'm excited for number two of starting over. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye.